morning, everybody. Welcome to a Church in the Valley. We're really glad that you're here uh, to worship with us. My name is Alex Barrett, and I'm the campus pastor here. And we are in the second week of a series called Minor Prophets, Major Mission. And we kicked it off last week, and we talked about uh, who the minor prophets are. And they're actually a group of books in the Old Testament uh, of the Scriptures. And they're not minor because of their importance. Uh, actually, they're called minor prophets because of their their length and their focus. And we're actually going to be talking about five of the minor prophets from the Old Testament in the books that we learn about them. And uh, last week we kicked off the series talking about Jonah. And if you missed that or any message at Church in the Valley and you'd like to catch up, you can always listen online at churchinthevalley.com. You click on the Alhambra campus and you can listen to messages. Or if you're someone who podcasts, you can subscribe to Church in the Valley Alhambra and always get updated podcasts uh, each week. So I encourage you to catch up that way. But I just want to briefly mention what we talked about last week. So everyone here, uh, we're all on the same page. We talked about uh, lessons from Jonah and how God's mission is to extend his love to every creature, everyone that he has made uh, throughout the, the world. And he uses us, his followers, if you're a follower of Christ, he wants to use you to extend that love to the people that don't know about him. And so we talked about being on mission for God, which means not just an idea, but it's an action where you, you choose to love and explain the truth of who Jesus Christ is to those in your world. And so last week I gave you a challenge to try to love five people uh, in your world over the next five weeks. And that could be people uh, that live in your neighborhood, people that you go to work with, people that go to school with, people in your family, your friends, your circles of influence that you have. Uh, God wants us to, to love those people around us. And so I encourage, if you missed last week, you can listen, but think through even now, who are the five people that God may want you to love right now in your world? And so today we're continuing lessons from the minor prophets, looking at the book of Habakkuk. And if you've never heard of that name, it's obviously not a name that we use Often, but in that book, what we're going to be talking about today, we're actually going to learn about some situations and circumstances that the people in the Old Testament were facing that I think you'll find is applicable uh, to us today. And that's always our goal as we dig into the scriptures, as we read the Word of God and get to know God. What you find is He is the same God that has existed forever. And he's the same God through history and the things that people faced thousands of years ago, we actually face today. And God is here to help us just like he was to help his followers thousands of years ago. And that's the, the beauty of reading the Bible. You can see who God is and you can get to know him here and now. And so that's what we're intent to do at Church in the Valley, to get to know God, to learn how to walk with God and then to help other people uh, do the same. And today we're talking about lessons from Habakkuk. Specifically, we're going to be talking about what do we do in life when we face discouragement or disappointment. And to start off, I just I just want you to kind of think about that yourself. In the past week or even this morning since you've been up, have you had any thoughts that have caused you to be discouraged in your life? Have you had any thoughts that have kind of brought about disappointment? Things that you wished were going to be, but they're not. And I want us to start there because today's lessons are really dealing with a group of people who face discouragement and disappointment. Not about you, but this is something I face on a regular basis. And I just thought through questions that I ask myself where I can kind of signal that I, I'm dealing with some discouragement and disappointment. So 
as I start, I just want you to identify any of these that you face yourself. And if you're taking notes, uh, you can put a check mark on your note. If I say something and you thought it, you can nod your head. If you grew up in church, you could say amen. Okay. All right. If you're a brave soul. Okay. You can even do that. But here, here's some questions that, that I ask uh, on a regular basis to, to myself. Uh, why is this so hard? I face things in my life and there's a question I, I ask, like, why is this so hard? And usually that means I didn't think it was going to be as hard as it is. And it caught me off guard. But I ask that question a lot. Another question, where is God in this? Is something happening in your life or is something happening around you where you've asked the question, where is God in this with what I'm facing, with what I see others facing? Another one I ask is, why am I not further ahead? You ever feel stuck? You ever feel like you're just kind of in the same place you were a year ago or maybe five years ago? And why am I not further ahead? Another one, why is there no success or why is it not working? Whatever it is, maybe you're at work and you want progress and it just seems like you can't get out of the rut you're in in your career or maybe in a relationship. It just feels like you're not really at the point with somebody that you're relating with where even though the hard work, you you still don't seem like you're on the same page. If you've asked any of those, I, I know I have. Another one I ask, why doesn't God change them? And then sometimes or me. And make it better. But oftentimes the first question is, why doesn't God change them? And then me. And then why, why isn't it better? Why do things seem like they just keep getting worse? And we live in a time right now in our country where if you turn on the news, you read newspaper, you Facebook, Twitter. It, it's actually gotten to the point where it's kind of toxic. Where you may have had these questions yourselves. And it's just ramped up through everyone asking the same things. Why, 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 why? And we live in a time where it's full of rhetoric, full of words, full of reactions. And just emotion is just raging. And this happens in our personal lives and it's happening in the world around us. And actually what we're talking about today is the same thing that Habakkuk faced uh, in the Old Testament. And it, it stems to this thing of we just can't see progress. We can't see hope. We can't see justice. And overall in our life, sometimes we just can't see growth. We want to be somewhere where we're not. And we can get so discouraged by that and we can get disappointed. And oftentimes where disappointment and discouragement hits us the most, it's in the crucial outcomes in life. The things that are really important. Things like parenting, things like marriage, things like friendship, like work, our finances. These crucial outcomes where we have a lot invested We pour a lot of time. We pour a lot of energy. What you find is a reality of life is that crucial outcomes develop over a long period of time. The reason that's so important to remember is that in the midst of discouragement and in the midst of disappointment, we tend not to have a long term view. I don't know if you're you realize just how immediate our culture and our time is today. Have you ever ordered something from Amazon? How many people like you love Amazon, right? Well, if you're an Amazon Prime member, you're used to getting everything within two days. But have you ever ordered something from Amazon and it doesn't get there in two days or it's not available on Amazon Prime and it's going to take like three days and you feel like completely ripped off? Like, how could that be? It's so immediate. 
the fact that it could take three days instead of two, like something is wrong. Like, you know what? That is not right. I may have to go to a store and pick it up. And then what if they don't have it? You got to go to another one. We have these problems that we've never faced before in history because everything's so immediate. As I'm interacting with my kids, oftentimes they'll say, hey, dad, ask Siri. They have a category like you have a question. Your phone can give you an answer. And then when it doesn't understand you, that will just drive you nuts. I don't quite understand, Alex. You need to understand. I've asked you five times, Siri. We have this love-hate relationship with technology because we want immediate results. But it's in the crucial outcomes where a life built over time, it's not immediate. Everything that matters takes time. Everything that's substantial, everything that really makes a big difference, it, it takes time. Whatever it is. But we face discouragement and we face disappointment because it's just not working on our own uh, time schedule. Recently, uh, just this weekend, I was talking to my kids and I'm trying to parent them the best that I know how. And there's just some days where I, I go to bed and I think, man, I, I blew it as a dad. And we have that all the time, whether it's in parenting or as an employee, as a boss. You just go to bed at night sometimes. You're like, man, I did not do what I should do. I didn't, I didn't do what was asked of me or I didn't do what was expected of me or I just blew it and I wronged somebody or I missed the deadline. And, I, and, you know, we can just beat ourselves up. And so I was talking to my kids just about growth in life and how we, we need to grow and we all have things to grow on. And we were talking about different areas of growth. And then I just thought, you know, what, I need to, I need to ask them what's an area that they think that I could grow in as their dad. And like right when I asked it, I thought, oh, man, this could get really interesting. And so I said, you know, I, I, there's areas of my life where I need to grow and I need to continue to work on myself. And I mean, what, what do you guys think? What, what's an area that I can grow in? And one of my kids, older and wiser, looked at me like, I think this is a trick question. <laughs> so in the look that they, they gave me, I could tell they weren't going to answer it. And then. Another one of my kids said, well, you, you know, like chuckling, like, you know, you're, you're a good dad. And I was, and so I was driving. I was like, okay, well that, that wasn't that productive. But then the child spoke back up, but, and I thought it's about to get real, <laughs> but you could be more patient with us. I was driving. I was like, that's exactly, that's exactly right. The very thing I was talking to them about what you need to grow in is that that's what I need to grow in. And at that moment, you know what I thought? Man, I wish I was patient. Like right now. Isn't it so ironic? Like, I, you know, immediately I saw the flaw and I was like, you know, what? it's right. Like I, as a parent, expect my kids to obey and expect right away. But there's times where there's just I have to continue to be patient. God is patient with me all the time. He wants me to exhibit that love to my kids and I need to be patient with them. But as they were saying, you know, that I thought that's so true, but like, I want that to be true of me right now. And so even then, like the immediacy of it, the need, which is good. It happens over time. It doesn't happen in my words because I say I'm going to be patient. It happens in the attitudes that I choose over time, the actions that I take, the responses that I choose over time. I can grow to be patient as the Lord helps me. Over time, we can see God work in our lives and through the lives of people over time, over time, over time. But when we're discouraged and disappointed, 
Time is not on our side because we think it has to happen right now. And the book of Habakkuk is this lesson of how do we, people that God created, have things that we want to see happen, but we have our own schedule and we have our own needs and we want God to fit into our plan. Could you imagine if we have Google calendars, we have work calendars, we have personal calendars. And what if we just had a God calendar where we could schedule everything that we want God to do and we can determine when he does it. But isn't that sometimes how we approach God? Like we just have this view of all that we want to see happen in the world, in our lives. And when it doesn't happen, it's like, well, God, did you not get that appointment I scheduled for you? What you find as you dig into the scriptures is that God is the creator and you can't schedule God according to your own appointments, according to your own timing. We actually fit into his plan and his purposes on a global scale. And so for our time this morning, I want us to think not just small and narrow and personal, but also think what's God doing in the world among us? And I think that will help us deal with the things that we're facing, which God does care about. And which God does have answers for. And so here's a key question that Habakkuk looks to answer. What do we do when the vision of what we hope doesn't match the reality of what is? There's things we all hope for. Around us, in us, near us. But what do we do when the vision of this doesn't match the reality of what is? When we're caught in the middle. Things that we hope to be. But they're not. What do we do in the middle? And here's the first lesson. This is the overarching lesson of the book of Habakkuk. And then I'm going to kind of unpack this. And that is that God will bring about justice. He will do right in the situations. God will bring about justice and fulfill his promises. As you read the Old Testament, this is a theme that you find throughout each book. God is who he said he is. And he's going to do what he says he will do and he'll fulfill his promises. And the book of Habakkuk was written in a time where injustice was running wild in the home country of Judah. And Habakkuk had a key role in the country of Judah because he was the prophet that was proclaiming what what God wanted to do. And through the, the people of Judah, God wanted to show what a group of people look like that follow God. And he got it hoped that through Judah, people would see this is who God is. And this is what the people who look like who follow him. So the people of Judah had this key role. They were supposed to be this picture of what it meant to be in a relationship with God. But as you can imagine, just like in our own lives, they, they did their own thing. And again and again in the scriptures, you find a group of people who are rebellious. And they do their own thing, just like we do. We do our own thing and we want to be independent from God. And so Habakkuk was really in this moment of time to proclaim that judgment was going to be coming on the people of Judah unless they turned to God and obeyed his commands, did what he commanded them to do. And so his role in this time, in this book, is to to really communicate God's judgment that would be coming from the Chaldeans who are the Babylonians. What's interesting about the book of Habakkuk, it's not really a sermon as much as it is a conversation, a dialogue between Habakkuk and God himself. And so Habakkuk asks questions and God answers. What's great about this book is we all have discouragement 
disappointment. And we ask a lot of the why, which I mentioned at the beginning. Well, what Habakkuk does is with those things, he asks God. And that's a very important lesson for all of us. God is okay with our questions. He's big enough to handle our questions. And he knows everything enough to answer our questions. And so Habakkuk dialogues with God. God dialogues with Habakkuk. And we learn some crucial lessons. And so the overarching lesson, God will bring about justice and fulfill his promises. But here's the second part. This is where it gets hard. But not on our time schedule. Not on our time schedule. It's actually according to God's time schedule. So it's our role as followers of him. If you're a Christian, you've decided to follow Jesus. It's our role to get on board with God's purposes and his plan. Not just to get on board like we're robots, but to discover what they are. And then partner with God in what he wants to do in the world. Okay? So this can bring about a helpful reality, but it can also bring about more uncertainty. Because we don't know what God's always thinking. We don't know what God's going to do. If he owns the calendar for what he's gonna, how he's going to operate, we're sometimes left to wonder what that is. He didn't share that appointment with me. But as you dig into his word, you, you find a, a crucial perspective. This is another lesson we, we can learn from Habakkuk. When we're confused, we can turn to God for perspective. This is one of the key lessons that Habakkuk teaches us. So we have discouragement, we have disappointment, and a lot of times that leads to just confusion. Things that we hope to be aren't yet, and we're confused as to why that is. And so Habakkuk had the same thing going on in his time, in his own life, and in everyone around him, where he wanted God's justice. He wanted right to be done where wrong was done. He wanted things to happen. And so he turned to God and, and said, Here, here's some things I'm confused about. God, I know that you want to use us to help other people discover who you are, to know you, to fear you. But it's not happening. People are just doing their own thing. And so the book of Habakkuk begins with just this, this questioning. God, I'm, I'm confused. Where are you and, and how you're at work? And see if you can identify any of these in your own life. Even if you don't ask God himself, do you ask any of these questions? This is where it starts. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Have you ever thought that? God, I'm I'm crying out to you. And do you listen? Are you are you hearing me or cry to you violence and you will not save? So he was just battling these thoughts of is God there? Then in verse, uh, I think, verse three, why do you make me see iniquity, sin? Why do you make me see all the sin around me? And why do you idly look at wrong? Okay, there's all this injustice. And why aren't you doing anything? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. And so he's just just describing this period of time in which it just seems like there's just unrest. Everyone is against each other. Who's against each other? Who's against each other? And it's this complete time of utter dismay and hopelessness. And then he goes on in verse four. So the law is paralyzed. So like there's no right here. And justice never goes forth. People are just doing what they want and they're getting away with it. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. So Habakkuk is just shooting straight with God. God, I know you have a plan, but it seems like everything is just up in flames. And there's no right. There's no justice. 
There's no purpose. Are you seeing this? Are you hearing this? Are you here watching? Actually reminds me of a lot of what's happening today. Just people asking the same questions. Where's, where's God in the middle of this? So he was confused. But what's great about Habakkuk is he actually went to God himself. We turn to many people when we face discouragement and disappointment and confusion. But what God wants us to do is over time learn that we can turn to him first. And in a relationship with him, he provides the clarity and the perspective that, that we need. And so these were Habakkuk's issues and questions and confusion. And here's what, what God answered. He asked, answers the question immediately in verse 5. This is what he tells him. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. So Habakkuk kind of presented all of his concerns. And God says, you need to look differently. I'm doing a work you're not even going to believe. And Habakkuk's probably thinking, well, yeah, because I'm not seeing anything. And then he goes on in 6, for behold... I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings, not their own. Now, when you're confused and you're wanting to see God work, the last thing you want to hear about is a nation, an evil nation that's going to be part of his work. But this is what Habakkuk faced. Habakkuk saying, Where, where's your justice? Why aren't you working? He's saying, oh, I am. There's actually going to be a group that will bring about justice, but not how you think. And see, at the time, the current world power in Habakkuk's day is Assyria. And Judah, God's people, are just doing their own thing. Assyria is doing their own thing, a pagan nation. And then God's talking about the Chaldeans who are this, this nation that's not even in power yet. But there's this rising power. And God's saying, I, I have some purposes, and they involve this group that's not even on your radar yet. You need to see differently. You need to see bigger. And what God's saying is, I'm doing things on such a larger scale. I'm doing things over the decades. I'm doing things over centuries. I'm doing things that, in, that are calculating that you can't even comprehend, that you don't even understand. And all the while, there's just a part of me, as I read this, I think, well, how does that help Habakkuk? Because again, we have these immediate needs and concerns and discouragement and disappointment that just weighing upon us. God's saying, you know, trust me, I'm God and I, I have a plan that will prevail. And so God is saying, I, I have a patience that I want to extend to all these people on the earth. And so you want justice immediately, but I, I'm bringing about justice in the right time so that people will know who I am, that they'll turn to me, they'll be saved. Again, that goes back to God's mission, that all will know him and make him known. So his patience isn't to let the wrong go. It's not an approval of wrong, but it's, it's that people will turn to him. So he's telling him back, you need to see this differently. There's long-term outcomes I'm working. It's the redemption of people. It's the lives of people. Just watch. Watch me work. And so Habakkuk actually responds in faith, and he asks some more questions. So in one twelve, he says this. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? So he's, he's, he's admitting, okay, God, you're right. 
I am this man that just sees only what I see right now. But you, God, are everlasting, which is is forever. You've always existed and you always will exist. O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. So he's saying that, okay, I understand you're going to execute judgment on your own timing, according to your own plan. And you're everlasting. So you've seen everything and you see what will happen forever. And so I'm, I'm going to trust your vantage point over mine, which is very narrow and can only see here and now. So he, he kind of humbly accepts that. And that, that is a great response. And that's a key lesson. As we walk with God and get to know him, problems arise when we get prideful and demand that, that God does what makes sense to us. Have you ever, have you ever done that where you approach God like he's just managing the vending machine that's going to take care of your life? And you think, you know, if I do enough good, it's like putting money in the vending machine and I can just enter in the numbers and, you know, God, I really want success at work. Boop, boop. Come on, please be success at work. Please be success at work. And something falls and it's someone else gets the promotion. Or you have to wait for what you really want. It's like the food that gets caught and it's not coming. You just want to shake the vending machine. That's how we approach God. I just need to input the right number and he'll output the result I want. We can't demand that from God. He's working on a larger scale. He's working on the long process of people coming to know him, including ourselves. And the judgments that he does on his time. They're right and just. Now, he puts us in positions where we're part of doing right in the world. This isn't passive. We're active. But it's actions in the outcomes over long periods of time. It's not words. It shows up in what we do, not just what we say. We live in a time where it's immediate, like respond, say something. Actually, show something. Show the difference that God makes in a life. And that, that's, what, that's what God's trying to remind Habakkuk. And so he's, he's kind of saying, God, okay, you see things differently. You're going you're gonna to do justice. And then he, he asks another question. This is what I like about Habakkuk. He got an answer. Okay, God, you're everlasting. You see what I don't. But I have another question. And this is what he goes on in verse 13. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. So he's saying, God, you're, you're holy. That's what it means for God to be holy. He's pure. So evil and wrong, they, they don't exist with God. They're not of his nature. He's holy. He's set apart completely. And so Habakkuk admits that. And he says, why do you look idly or why do you idly look at traitors and are silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? So you're pure God, but it seems like if you're going to use the Chaldeans for your justice, it seems like you're using an unrighteous people that are actually going to come against your righteous people, the country of Judah. And so he, he was concerned, and rightfully so. The Chaldeans were known at the time that they would sacrifice their own children to appease their gods. They were pagan in every way. And so back saying, okay, God, you're, you're pure, you're everlasting, but it still seems like this doesn't quite calculate right on what needs to happen with these outcomes that you want to accomplish. 
And so he, he's wrestling some more. And here's where, where God takes him on this journey. So it's not just understanding that God works on a bigger scale. It's, it's this, that we must wait patiently as God works out his purposes in history and in our lives as well. So it goes back to patience again. And the problem with patience is it's not immediate. <laughs> and it grows over time as you trust God. But this is what he says in Habakkuk 2 to reinforce this. He says, and the Lord answered me. Habakkuk is speaking. This is what God told him. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. And that's the fulfillment of God's promise. I will make things right. I will help those who call upon me. But I have appointed the time for which that will happen. But you write it down so you don't forget because it will come true. It will pass. This can be known. But the righteous shall live by faith. So the idea here is when you're confused, you turn to God for perspective. And the perspective is be patient. Let me be God and act according to how I'm going to act. And as you're being patient and letting me be God, you be faithful with what I've given you. Because what happens so many times in life when we're discouraged and disappointed, we're paralyzed in our action. So the very things that we want to see happen, we tend to slow down and we get passive. Well, God, I guess you're just going to work it out. And we stop moving forward. And then these outcomes, they're delayed even more because we've stopped being faithful. So God is telling us, be, be patient. I will act. But while I act, according to my time, you be faithful. And so for those of you who follow Christ, this means you continue to live and you please him in each arena of your life. You keep a firm grip on what he's commanded you, on how to treat people, on how to handle your responsibilities, on how to share Christ with those around you in the middle of all the things that are going on in your life, all the unknowns. You continue to do the things that you know to do in the middle of things that you don't. That's the promise. You choose faith. So that's the first major lesson of Habakkuk. When you're confused, you turn to God for perspective. And what you find is be patient. God's not forgotten you. He's not forgotten us continue to do what God's given you to do. And the second lesson is as important. And that is when you're discouraged, you turn to God for hope and encouragement. So we get perspective, but the good thing with God is he's not just giving us perspective as this distant God that's giving us these orders. He, he actually draws near to us and gives us hope and encouragement in the moment. And I want to close out with this group of scriptures that Habakkuk kind of resolves. And the the understanding is Habakkuk didn't see all this happen in his day. There were things that were going to happen beyond his lifetime. And that's a very scary place to be. 
there were some things that Habakkuk wanted to see. And they were just, he wasn't going to see them. And that's true for all of us. God created us to live in a place, in a time, in history, where we're seeing what's happening. But we're not going to see everything. Because he's appointed other people at other times to see it. And so Habakkuk came to this point where he's like, you know, God, I can be so discouraged by all the things I don't understand and all the things that I don't see in my life coming true. All I hope is not here yet. But he gets to this point where he he resolves that I'm going to turn to God to be my hope and my encouragement. But do you do you kind of get to the point in your life where sometimes all you see is the mess but not the progress. I know I do. You just see the mess. You just see the things that are unraveling. A few weeks ago, I was on a mission trip that I told you guys about it in Chico. We were helping a church with their, their building and they had concrete floors that had carpet on them. And when you pull the, the carpet up and it great concrete, the problem is there's lots of glue that's left. So we had to lay this kind of chemical on the glue that melted it away and it turned the glue into this goo. And this goo had to be scraped up and disposed of and then you'd have to buff the concrete and then you'd see more glue and you have to keep doing it. Well, in the middle of cleaning these floors, you're scraping goo. And as you're scraping goo, you're getting a little bit on like your your spatula. That's not the term like that you cook with a spatula, but. We didn't use spatulas. I don't know what it's called. Scraper. We're removing goo. And, you, you know, you've got the goo and you're kind of dumping it. And the goo is sticking. You know, it's and you're trying to throw the thing off and splattering on you and the trash can. And, and then you're scraping on the floor. And, and over time, you're, you're just looking at this floor and thinking, you know what? That's that's great. I moved the goo from this section. But I moved it to this section. And you just, it just felt like we were just, how's it going? You know, I think I'm just spreading goo like peanut butter on a sandwich. Like, I think that's, I think that's what I'm doing. And it didn't look like you're making any progress. Well, it wasn't until you got out of the concrete square that you're working and you look and you're like, oh, wow, we have really thinned that out. it, It took so many rounds. And this is like life. Oftentimes we're in the middle of the goo and it just feels like we're just spreading it around and there's no progress. That's actually normal. It's normal to see the mess and not the progress. However, in the middle of the mess, again, we we can't shrink back from what God's called us to do. And in the middle of the mess, we have to trust God that he's shown us enough for us to obey him. So in your relationships, God wants you to love the people around you. And they may not love you according to how you'd want And the relationship may not be at the place that you hoped it was going to be right now. In the middle of that mess, you can still choose to love them and show them who Christ is. At work, you may feel ripped off. You may have a boss that's come against you. You may have coworkers that don't seem to be working together as a team. And it can be a grind. You're just ready to get out of there. In the middle of that mess, God wants you to be an employee that people can see, and there's a difference. There's a patience. There's a love and encouragement that you have, even in the middle of the mess of work. 
And again and again with, with parenting in your marriage, oftentimes we experience the mess. But in the mess, that's where the ministry is. That's where God wants to use us. And it was the same for Habakkuk. So it's normal. But what you find is as you are faithful in the messy things in life, God will use you. Just like he used Habakkuk. And this is where Habakkuk resolved. And this is just a great picture. And this is actually a really sobering view. But it's, it's, I think it's a challenge to all of us. And this is what he says in chapter 3. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. So what he's describing is farming. And it goes to that crucial outcomes. You want fruit. We all want fruit. We all want things to blossom in our lives. We all hope if we're a sheep farmer that there's sheep in the stalls. But what he's saying is, is, though none of that happens, he goes on in 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. So in the middle of longing for the blossom, that's not come. Longing for the shade that doesn't exist. I will hope in God. He is my salvation. And so I want to wrap up, just encourage you to take some, some next steps today based on that. So if you could pull out your connection card. I want to invite the, the band up. They're going to get ready to lead us in another song as we receive our offering. But I have some next steps that you can take. And I want to close with these because I think these are appropriate actions for us today. You'll find those on the back of your connection card. And I, I just encourage you to, to take one of them. The first is turn to God for perspective with blank and trust him with the outcome. What's an area of your life right now where you're discouraged or you're disappointed? What's that area? Just like Habakkuk, you, you can talk to God about that. If you have questions, you can talk to God about that. But, but just identify that. Identifying it, it it's allowed you to get real. And then the second is you, you trust him with the outcome. You, you decide, God, though I may not see everything I want to see, I still choose to do what you want. You're the joy of, of my salvation. And the second is identify where I'm discouraged in my responsibilities and ask God for help. So where do you feel the pressure in your life? Where do you feel a lack of progress? In the middle of the discouragement, God may be trying to get your attention. And that is, I will help you. Don't look everywhere else, but I will help you. So identify where that may be for you. And then the last is remain faithful this week by. So for Habakkuk, he, he knew, I'm, I'm not seeing God answer exactly what I'm seeing all right now and what I hope. But I'm going to choose to find my joy in him. So maybe just you need to remain faithful by thanking God for what he's doing in your life. You may need to be, remain faithful by when you, a discouraging thought comes, you, you just identify it. And God, I, that thought is wrong. You will provide what I need. And you just stop it right when it enters. So whatever it is, I, I encourage you to deal with the, 
confusion, deal with the perspective, and God will help you in whatever arena you face. So I encourage you to take one of those next steps. If you have any prayer requests, there's some lines at the bottom as well, and we'd love to pray for you as a staff as well. Let's pray, and then we're going to sing a song back to God and receive our offering. Let's pray. Father, we we do thank you for your purposes which prevail and your plans which are far greater than our own. And I ask God that you will give us a perspective when we're confused and when we're discouraged that we'll find hope and encouragement in you. But God, help us to be a, a group of people who take our questions and our concerns and don't take it anywhere else but you first. We can learn so much if we turn to you. And so God says just quicken that on our minds so we'll have the, the strength and the courage to do that. In the name of Jesus, amen.